Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Here on Well, 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 we delve into the issues impacting and surrounding the health and well-being of our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities. Coming to you from Joy's Victorian Pride Centre studios on Boonwurrung Country. For now, I'm Jack Ranjan and joined this week in studio by Cal Hawk. Hello, hello. Hi, I should say hello to you. Yes. Welcome back. It, I've been living in exile overseas for the last two months. <laughs> you say exile. I know. You, you were at a K-pop station, I weren't you? Yeah. I was um, making K-pop social media videos for like a university internship. I was getting up to no good in Tokyo for a bit, hanging out in South Korea for six weeks, but I'm back now, um, just in time to miss Better Together. Yeah. Um, which In Adelaide, which is, you know, Adelaide is, I don't want to say... I'm, when I say Adelaide is your beat, I don't mean like. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. No, no, no. Not that. Well, you know, oh, because the fracking? From a reporting standpoint, like <laughs> that's what they used to call it. When you're in a news beat, that was your, you know, where you got it. But now it just sounds like you go <laughs> so there to Phrasing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's fine. Um, well, look, we're going to be talking about Better Together, which is a conference convention situation. We've got a few interviews that you uh, did there coming up a little bit later in the show. We'll get into those in a sec. But for now, I want to hear, like, what is Better Together and kind of. What did the show look like as, as someone who... Is this your first Better Together? No, it's not. Okay. So Better Together started in Melbourne a few years ago. Mm. Um, and of course, the timeline gets all disrupted when you factor in COVID. Yeah. Um, but it's national in focus. And it really looks at LGBTIQ communities and connection um, in all of the intersectionalities. And it is an incredibly intersectional conference. Right. Like, it is very evident um, that accessibility is front of mind. There are a lot of dialogues from... Um, communities that maybe we don't hear from as much there was a really strong aging narrative this year Mm. um you know uh very conscientious of the considerations of first nation communities people with disability are like very front and the opening plenary shows this diversity of voices like they basically just like did rapid fire speed dating with speeches of people from all these different intersectionalities and it was it's very good and i will say having gone to it it just has such a like kind vibe to it like I think sometimes we get almost intimidated when we take on such an intersectional moment there's because so much to keep up you kind of think yeah there's so much to keep up with and you're so some folks could enter that space and I think maybe even for myself you kind of go oh I just you know you don't want to put a foot wrong you know yep. and I think that's reflective I think of a broader experience where so many orgs or services or companies out there don't want to put a foot wrong and so they kind of go okay too hard pile and keep it at a distance yeah but it's really it was really really great really supportive experience um I had done a previous better together here in Melbourne mm-hmm. um but this was yeah it was really great and it was good to be back in Adelaide as well cool that's kind of a quick top level look I guess at yeah. better together um some of the people you spoke with you spoke with um Peggy Kurtos. 
So I also spoke to Peggy Curdo. Peggy Curdo is no stranger to Well, Well, Well. Um, Peggy's been on before. We actually, Peggy has been a board member for Thorn Harbor Health. So Peggy was actually on our women leadership episode that we did uh, ages ago. Mm. Uh, And Peggy's also been on the Bent Spoon. So the, you know, uh, well, I guess Globe Community Award winning because that was before it switched (laughs) to Victorian Pride Awards. (laughs) But um, the Bent Spoon won for Best Media last year. And Peggy was on, has actually been on two seasons of the Bent Spoon uh, featuring cuisine from her Greek background. Very exciting. But um, you can pick those episodes to, up if you want. Yes, first of all. absolutely. But I talked to Peggy in a very different uh, capacity this Post-menopausal week. Postmenopausal lesbian sex. Yeah, which I was super excited about. Um, if you have missed our episode before, we did a previous episode where Rachel and I talked to Jean Hales and we talked to Sue from David and Sue here on Joy about experiences of menopause amongst queer women. Well, Peggy kind of dives into that and looks at it through a really positive light in what I think could honestly be a TED Talk around enjoying sex as a lesbian woman post-menopause. Let's jump into that interview now. You're getting well, well, well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. My name is Peggy Curdo and I was presenting on post-menopausal lesbian sex. With that in mind, you started off by saying that there's very little information out there for postmenopausal women about sex and that you're here to start that conversation. Why do you think that is? I think because I think I talked about that in the talk is that um, I think the idea of lesbian sex is really threatening to a heteronormative society. The idea of postmenopausal lesbian sex is even more so because you add the ageing factor over the top of it. So while there's a lot of information these days about the actual physicality of menopause, there's nothing on what happens to the sexual body. So because people think that oestrogen has stopped, that means life has stopped, orgasms have stopped, sex has stopped, and that's how it should be. And that is a lie. With that in mind, of course, you also tackled LBD or lesbian bed death. And it sounds like, uh, you know, lots of folks may have heard that term, but it has a lot to answer for. Could you summarize for us why that's particularly problematic? Yeah, because I think it's one of the ways that um, heteronormative society diminishes the relationship between lesbians. Um, And I think it does that to say that lesbian intimacy doesn't last. The reality is, in any relationship, intimacy will wax and wane because a relationship grows and the intimacy is supposed to change. It's supposed to change with that. Um, So lesbian bed death um, is just another lie. It came out of an article or some research that was done in the early 80s uh, in the States And um, the factors that they used to actually coin lesbian bed death were really problematic, and it's been since debunked. That's an interesting point, just taking that step back for a minute. Do you think that that, um, I guess, standard that we put on ourselves um, maybe is not even exclusive to lesbian women, but LGBTIQ people more broadly, that when we get into a relationship that maybe those feelings of love and intimacy are supposed to sustain forever. Do you think we give ourselves kind of these maybe unrelenting standards? Oh, we do. We absolutely do. Relationships ebb, uh, intimacy ebbs and wanes. It's supposed to. Relationships are, are a vehicle for us, uh, a place where the person closest to us 
we it's sort of almost like a cauldron where everything comes up and is all sort of in the mix and sorted out. Um, it's supposed to happen that way. I think where people really have issues with intimacy, it's not the intimacy, it's the relationship. There's something going on in the relationship when intimacy really drops away seriously. Um, and I'm talking about, you know, years. <laughs> um, so it's the relationship. It's not actually the intimacy. And I think there needs to be a distinction. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, getting back to, you know, kind of uh, getting in touch with sex post-menopause, you talked about three steps. So tuning in, getting in touch, and uh, staying. I wanted to ask, I guess, the first one, which was around tuning in. And could you briefly say, touch on mindfulness and its role in this process? Yeah. So a proper mindfulness practice, and, and I, I keep saying proper. Um, and what I mean is uh, is that after doing a an eight-week mindfulness course, where you really learn some skills about being in touch with your body. Um, so the very first steps of any decent mindfulness course will be a body scan. And it's the foundation of, of, um, of mindfulness is the body because without the body, you can't, you can't feel anything. So, um, so learning how to do that properly is the very, very first step. And then what happens with a good mindfulness course, and that's why an eight-week one is really good, is that eventually you can actually watch what your mind is doing and what your mind is telling you about what's happening um, and what's happening in your body, for example, and quite often that's not true. One of the quotes here that I I took from yours was, you do not need a partner to explore your sexuality. And I thought that was really great, simple but really great. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, I think... um, uh, what it means is is that you need to take agency for your own sexual um, vitality um, and what that it's difficult because I know a lot of people really find that sort of idea threatening because they wrap it up and tangle it up with fidelity and monogamism um, and monogamy sorry that sounded like a, um, a uh, STD didn't it <laughs> sorry <laughs> and um, monogamy and um, it isn't. Um, I think, so for example, going to a sexologist or getting a tantric yoga massage, um, taking responsibility for your sexual body in the same way that you take responsibility for your physical body by going to the gym. It's exactly the same thing. You also touched on how the transition post-puberty is sort of, you drew a comparison between post-puberty and um, post-menopause and that it's a matter of getting to know your body again. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. So post-puberty, so everyone knows about puberty, but at the, at the end of puberty, one is expected to not be very good at sex or during puberty. Mm. And you explore and you grow and you experiment, um, and that's normal, that's okay. But post-menopause, it, it sort of is like the, the door is shut. There's nothing there, there's, there's nothing at the end of it. But it's exactly the same. So the, the, um, the uh, journey from uh, puberty to end of puberty is about 10 years. Menopause is the same. It's around 10 years. And then the symptoms that you get through menopause stop-ish. <laughs> and then 
a whole world opens up in terms of sexuality and sexual vitality that we're not told about. With that in mind, what call to action would you like to give any postmenopausal lesbian women out there, or I, perimenopausal, you know, really at any stage? What I, and this is one of the reasons that I did this talk, I want to tell women that it's not over and that you can have mind-blowing sexual experiences post-menopause. Um, you just need to want to do it and, um, and to explore and be brave and stay. You know, it's interesting because I think there is a, we, I get the, I think a lot of people get the impression that when you talk about menopause, that this is a, a secret women's business, but yet the experiences of menopause don't stick to only women's spaces. You take it with you as you go out into the world. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, is there a role for other folks in maybe being exposed to this or having this conversation to address that stigma? Or do you think, I don't know, if there's allyship out there for that people can undertake? Yes, I definitely do. I think there should be more accessibility to, um, to a lot more information about actually looking at the sexual body as it ages and supporting that and giving information. I think that um, other people uh, should understand that uh, menopause is, is not an ending. It's not uh, only a medical uh, issue where things start not working. It's actually another beginning. And if more people understood that, um, that would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Look, we have talked about menopause on Well 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 before, but I hope we can keep that conversation going because it does seem like from the audience today, there's a massive appetite for it. Did you get that sense? Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> well, thanks again and congratulations on your presentation. Thank you. Thanks, Peggy. Okay, thanks. You're getting Well 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 with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. And that is it for this week on Well Well Well. Um, thank you so much to our guests. Uh, thank you for going over to Adelaide while I... Was probably passed out on a plane and back to Australia. I'm going to be I honest. Ha- I was happy to take the trip. Yeah, I would have, I would have rather been on uh, been in Adelaide than been on that A350. It's not a smooth flight. Anyway, um, I guess coming up for uh, our LGBTIQ plus communities, we're coming out of the the, the, Victorian guess, the big part Prides. of the Victorian Pride season. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're in the middle of uh, World Pride and Mardi Gras is just happening this weekend uh, as well for people listening on radio. Um, I guess what's happening for people if they're listening in Victoria, I believe we've got Chill Out coming up soon. Yeah, we've got Chill Out. And look, to that point too, we are still in the midst of Pride season. Mm. And I know that we've talked about monkeypox and it feels like we've kind of to we've death, done yeah. we've done we've passed monkeypox but we do have a ton of people visiting australia at the moment yes um and monkeypox is still out there internationally uh if you haven't had your first or second shot yet definitely uh go to the thorn harbor website thornharbor.org and scroll down you can find a link to the page but we're running clinics every friday and saturday um and so if there are any spots left you can book that in and come in and get your monkeypox shock and what is worth worth noting is a lot of people you know we talked about on the show how we changed how you administered it mm. so there was that Subcutaneous injection you used to get in the back of your arm, the yep. kind of the fatty bit there. And most people were used to that for COVID shots and a whole range of yep. other things. But then for monkeypox, when we were doing fractional dosing, a lot of people were getting an intradermal, which was mm. like sort of like mosquito bite that kind of le- left a mark on your arm. Yeah, the weird pimple situation. And the nice thing about that is you can actually request, if you don't want to do that situation, the between the skin oh, kind of right. booster thing, you can actually ask to have it in your arm because we don't have the same vaccine scarcity that oh, we had, okay. you know, late last year. That is, that is new. Okay, cool. 
that is new. So if anyone has hesitated to get their first or second shot, um, go to, head to the Thorn Harbor website or look, you can also go through the Department of Health uh, here in Victoria and look for it. But uh, Thorn Harbor is definitely delivering those and go and get your monkeypox shot because you just want to have that level of protection either not only for now, but also for going into the future because this is the thing. It's not like a COVID vaccine where, you know, we may have second, third, fourth, and now folks are talking yeah. about their fifth wave. Monkeypox is more like the hep the hepatitis vaccine where you basically get your two shots and that's it and for life. Yeah. So, you know, if you had your first shot and you have your second, get it done. If you haven't had your first, go out and get it. Wait 28 days and get your second one as well. Yeah. Um, it's better to be protected than to be caught off guard. Yes, absolutely. And for anyone listening on the Community Radio Network in South Australia as well, you can check out uh, sameash.org.au to see uh, the latest information on uh, vaccination in uh, through Shine SA, I believe, are administering it. I believe so too. But you know what would be a great resource for you? If you're looking national in focus, mm. head to Emanate's web, web, website. So E-M-E-N and the eight. number eight. Um, and Emanate actually has a clinic, like a map that can find you sexual health clinics. Yep. But you can also fin filter by monkeypox vaccines. And so you can figure out where the nearest uh, sexual health clinic or GP that's offering the vaccine yep. in your area across Australia. Cool. Um, but that is it for the show this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining me in studio, Cal. My pleasure. Great to have you back. Oh, great to be back. And we'll catch you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.